All right, I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, it's the only passage I'm going to ask you to turn to today. And we're in a series called Amazing Grace. And grace is so amazing. I want to just remind you of something. All of us that have accepted Christ, all of us were amazed by grace when we got saved. I mean, you think about it. <laughs> when someone shared with you, the Son of God became a man and died to pay for your sins, and all of your sins can be forgiven, and you'll go to heaven if you'll just believe. You thought, that's amazing. That's amazing. What I want to know is, are you still amazed by grace? Because it's that good. Because the enemy tries to get us as believers to move in the works. You know, we start serving in the church, we start reading our Bible, we start praying, uh, we stopped cussing and smoking, and we don't chew anymore, we don't go with girls who do, you know, we, we kind of, we get a little better, and we don't sin nearly as much as we used to, and so maybe we don't need grace now quite as much as we did. 20 years ago. Well, I want you to be just as amazed as you were with saving grace. I want you to be that amazed with sustaining grace. And let me just tell you, sustaining grace is just as good as saving grace. It's all grace. So this week, we're going to talk about amazing righteousness. Amazing righteousness. And you may not be amazed yet about righteousness, but hopefully in a few minutes you will be. Romans chapter 4, verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Now, remember we talked about this last weekend, no one's going to boast in heaven. Let me put that in Texan, there ain't going to be no bragging in heaven. Verse 3, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. I want you to just think about how amazing this passage is. If the world doesn't know anything about this, those that don't know Christ, they don't understand this because if they did, they'd want to accept Christ. That you can believe in Jesus and sin is taken out of your account and righteousness is put in your account. It's accounted for righteousness. That's amazing to me. Uh, think about if you, if you go out on the street and to a mall or sports game or something, and you just interviewed some people that don't go to church, that have never been taught the Bible, and you said to them, um, what do you have to do to, to go to heaven? What, what, what are you going to hear? What's the answer you're going to hear? Be good. Be a good person, right? Uh, and, and some will say it like this, do more good than bad. Hopefully, at the end of your life, you have more good in your account then you do bad, and, and then you get to go to heaven. Well, the only problem with that is, is that God's standard is not good. It's perfect. 
So how am I ever going to get to heaven? Uh, let me ask you this. Now, no one, I know no one will raise their hands on this first question. I'll ask you too, but no one will raise your hands on your first one. I know that because is there anyone here that has broken every law, every law? Well, let, let me read you a scripture, and I'm going to read it out of the, the Living Bible. I know this is a paraphrase, and the, the guy wrote it for his children to be able to understand the Bible, but I think it helps us understand this scripture a little bit. Uh, I like the way the wording is. James 2 verse 10 says, and the person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law that there is. Okay, here's the second question. See if anyone raises your hands. How many of you have made at least one little slip? Can I? That's kind of like the death rate, about 100%. <laughs> and actually, I'm a little shocked, you bunch of sinners. <laughs> Got a church full of sinners, Pastor David. <laughs> Uh, New King James says it the same way, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Okay, so if God's standard is perfect, and none of us have been perfect, how do we get to go to heaven? It's really simple. It's real simple. We believe in the perfect one, <laughs> the one who did keep the whole law, Jesus Christ. Now, look back at verse 3, because we want to key in on this scripture for the whole message, all right? It says, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. That's one part that I want to talk about. You know how I am, I like three points, so that'll be one of the points. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him, there's the second part that we're going to talk about, for righteousness. And that's the third part that we're going to talk about. But I want to flip them. I want to start with righteousness and, and, and work backward, all right? So here's point number one, what is righteousness? What is Righteousness. Well, if I said to you that Pastor David Smith uh, is a righteous person, he's a righteous person. I've known him for 30 years now. He's a righteous person. What, what would you think? I mean, just in, that, in the natural, what would you think? You would think then that he lives righteously. If he's a righteous person, he does righteous things. In other words, he's, he's a good husband, he's a good father, uh, he's a good employee, uh, he's a good person. Uh, you know, he, he's not perfect, but he, to the best of his ability, he lives righteously. Okay, here, here's, the, here's the thing I want you to know. You'd be correct. You'd be right. If I say that person, a righteous person, and you assume, well, that means he, 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 he lives to the best of his ability righteously, because that's a correct assumption. It's just not the only assumption. Uh, and, and let me uh, say it to you this way, to get us to think about grace and works. Is he righteous? because he does righteous things, or does he do righteous things because he's righteous? That's the whole difference between grace and works right there. See, is he, is he righteous in God's sight because he does righteous things? And let me, let me help us with the word righteous. The root word is right. Do the right thing. So is, is he right with God? because he does right things, or does he do right things because God by grace made him right with God? Amen. You see what I'm saying? That's the difference. And grace and works, I, I promise you, the way you, the, your understanding of grace 
changes everything about life. I even asked a, a pastor just recently that I was ministering to, I said, do you feel like that you've had to fight for everything you have? And he said, absolutely. Just like he said, yes. And he's a good man. And I said to him, you see, that's the difference. Because I feel like I've been given everything I have. It's by grace that I have what I have. The way you understand grace will affect the way you see God and relate to God. It, it affects the way you see others and the way you relate to others. And it affects mainly the way you see yourself and the way you actually relate to yourself when you stumble in one little point or make a mistake. So righteousness is, let me explain it. I asked the question, what is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God, okay? That, 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 that's the easiest definition of righteousness. Righteousness is the state of being right with God. Right standing with God. Okay, now, can a righteous man do an unrighteous deed? Well, if you have any wonderment about that, look in the mirror. Because <laughs> you've done a lot of unrighteous things, right? Even since you believed in Jesus. Okay, so a righteous person can do unrighteous things. Can an unrighteous person do a righteous deed? Yeah. Yeah, an unrighteous person who hasn't been saved yet can do right things. But does the righteous deed that the unrighteous person does make him righteous? Okay, let me give you an illustration. Let's say there's a guy who, um, uh, he's not a believer, he's not a Christian, does not believe in Jesus, does not attend church anywhere, and he goes out of town on a business trip, and he has a really good day. And uh, he, he signs up a lot of new accounts, and one account that he signs up is the largest account he's ever signed up. And so he eats dinner, and then he, he uh, decides to take a walk, and he's feeling really good about himself and his day, and he's walking by this playground, and a ball comes over the fence from the kids, and he picks the ball up, and he throws it back. And then he gets to the corner, street corner, and there's a little old lady, two great big sacks of groceries. So he carries the groceries for her, helps her across the street, you know, and then and gets, goes a few blocks with her and takes the groceries to her house. And then on his way back from there, he sees a homeless man sitting on the street and he pulls his wallet out and he says, I'm so sorry about your plight. I understand you can get down on your luck and, and all, and I've had good fortune, and so I want to uh, help you some, and he gives him, you know, some money. Okay. Uh, those are good things. Would you agree? Those are right things. Okay, let me tell you about another man. He's a believer. He loves the Lord. Uh, he attends Gateway Church. Okay? We're going to give him a few extra points. Okay? <laughs> and uh, so he goes out of town on a business trip, and he has a bad day. He loses several accounts, even his biggest account. And so after dinner, he takes a walk, and he's walking beside a playground, and the ball comes over the fence, and he kicks the ball in the street, and a bus runs over it. <laughs> and he gets to the corner, and there's a little lady, and she's asking for help, and he says, lady, I don't have time, and he kind of just shoves her out of the way, and uh, she falls down, breaks her eggs, and falls in a mud, pu mud puddle. And then on his way back to the hotel, he sees the homeless man asking for some money, and he kicks him and, and uh, says, you know, you ought to get a job, and he even says a curse word, okay? 
Okay, this guy doesn't go to Gateway Church, okay? Let's, let's, now let's take that out. But he is a Christian, okay? He is a Christian, okay? Because I know none of you would ever do anything like that. So, okay, I do, you know what I just thought about that? I've got to tell you this, this is, um, I hate for people to drive slow in the fast lane. Okay, that, that's, that's why we call it the fast lane. And some of you don't know, you think there's a left lane and a right lane. No, there's a fast lane and a slow lane. And if you want to drive slow, get out of my lane, okay? And I'd like to say to everyone watching on television, get out of the fast lane, okay? So, so just a while back, this guy's in the fast lane, but he's not going fast. So I went around him, and it is protocol to give him the look. <laughs> because they need to know. Maybe they, their mind is somewhere else, and they think, oh, I'm, 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 I need to move over. See? So I gave this guy the look, I and mean, I gave him the look good. And then my cell phone rings. And this guy said, Pastor Robert, was I in your way? <laughs> So a righteous man can do an unrighteous deed, okay? Okay, all right, so. Now, let's go back, unrighteous and righteous man. Does the righteous deed that the unrighteous man does, does that make him righteous? Does that make him in right standing with God? Does it? Because he does something right. No. He's got to accept Jesus Christ. Now, listen to me, though. Does the unrighteous deed that the righteous man does, does that make him unrighteous? No, because I'm righteous by my position, not by my performance. Now, it's wrong to do those things, and I'll suffer consequences from doing those things, and I can even go down a road to where I could actually destroy my life if I allow anger to stay in my life or something. You see what I'm saying? But I'm put in right standing with God by the blood of Jesus. We have to know that. Okay, so that's what righteousness is. Here's question number two. Did Abraham earn it? Did he earn it? Well, when you go back to Romans 4, verse 2 says, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted, and we're going to talk about this to him, for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And this word counted, accounted, means uh, to keep records of credits and debits. It's, it's, an, it's accounting. It's the class you did not like in college, okay? Some of you did, but you know, it's not many, okay? All right, so that's what it means, keeping records of debits and credits, all right? So here's what it says. Now to him who works, it's not counted uh, as grace, but as debt. Okay, here's what that means. It doesn't mean that it's, not, it's bad for you to work, do good works, because we're saved to good works to do good works is what Ephesians says. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works, okay? So it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do good works and that's counted against us. What it's talking about God, it's saying if Abraham had done works, then God would have owed him. It would have been a debt to God. God would have owed him payment for his good works. In other words, like if someone came and did a job at your house, landscaping or something like that, after they do the job, you owe them. 
You owe them, it's a debt to you. You owe them for their, what they did. So what he says is, Abraham, God didn't owe Abraham. He did not owe him, and God doesn't owe anyone. So it's talking about this accounting. So let me, let me draw this out for you, all right? Let's, let's do three containers, okay? Three containers, and these three containers are gonna be like accounts, all right? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna do three different people here. We'll actually put names on them, all right? What we're gonna do is we're gonna do the account of a bad person, the account of a good person, and the account of a perfect person. Obviously, uh, this is going to be Jesus because he's the only one that lived a perfect life. So this is his account, all right? So now, I wanna do an account of a bad person uh, I'm talking about before, uh, before he meets Jesus. Before he believes, um, I want to put a name on it. Okay, all right, I got one. I know this guy. He's really, he was really bad. Okay, all right. Just a random name, just a random name I came up with. But this is a guy I know who was a bad person. Obviously, I'm talking about me. Okay, so a good person. Uh, and again, just a random name, no one in particular. Um, not, not trying to earn points or anything like that. So just, just random, random. Okay, all right. So, a bad guy before he got saved. I didn't get saved until I was 19. I got saved in a motel room. Debbie got saved at nine. Nine, okay? I got saved at 19. I was delivered from drugs. She was delivered from bubble gum, you know? Uh, and she's free. She's totally free. She's free. So, okay. So what did my account look like before I got saved? Now let's come up with a code. S is gonna stand for sin. R is gonna stand for righteous, like righteous deeds, all right? Good deeds, right deeds, doing the right thing, okay? So before I got saved, this is what my account looked like. Okay? Okay, you get the picture? Okay. But I did a few right things. I did. I went to my church, church with my parents. And so I, I, got, I had a few R's in my account. I did a, a few right. No, that, that one wasn't right. Just so. Okay. All right. Debbie's account, on the other hand, really looked like this. I mean, her parents told her to do something. She obeyed. She, she had a whole bunch of righteous deeds in her account before she got saved. But because she's a human, she had a few, you know, a few. <laughs> little sins in her account. Okay. So how are we gonna go to heaven? Here's something else I want you to understand. Even Debbie's righteousness isn't like Jesus's. What, what would Jesus's account look like? He's just righteous, right? But even Debbie's righteousness, remember this scripture, Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteousness says, plural, 
All our individual acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. So actually, this R could stand for rags. <laughs> Debbie had more rags in her account before I did. <laughs> that makes me feel good. I've never thought about it that way. My wife had a, an account full of filthy rags. Well, that makes me feel so much better. Okay, so here, here, here's, here's our account before we get. Okay, so if, if God looks at my account, he sees all this sin, and he sees filthy rags. And he looks at Debbie's account, and he sees sin, because everyone sins, but he sees filthy rags. He does not see righteousness, right standing with God. So what's he going to do? How am I going to go to heaven when I have sin in my account? Debbie had sin in her account. Abraham had sin in his account. And you have sin in your account. How am I going to go to heaven? And Jesus has righteousness in his account. Well, here's what happened 2,000 years ago. God took the righteousness out of his own son's account. And God put the sins of the whole world in his son's account. And that's why his son was condemned to death. Because the Bible says, God took the one who knew no sin and made him sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So, when Jesus died for our sins, you have to understand something happened very amazing. A lot of people don't realize this. Jesus shed his blood, and the blood of Jesus erased our sins completely. And not only our sins, listen, the blood of Jesus erased the sins of the whole world. A lot of people don't realize this. Jesus died for the world. It said God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Listen to this, not imputing, this is the same word for accounting. Not accounting their sin, not counting their sins against them. God took away the sin of the whole, I know you think, well, well, I don't understand that then because I know some people aren't going to go to heaven. That's correct because God gave you a will and you have to choose whether you're going to receive what Jesus did for you or not. But here, I'm going to make a shocking statement. People don't go to hell for sin because Jesus already paid for their sin. They go to hell for unbelief. That's why they go to hell. So, God put all of my sins in Jesus' account, and he erased, he erased my account. No sin in my account. But there's also no righteousness. But when I was 19, I believed in Jesus, and God put righteousness in my account. When Debbie was nine, she believed in Jesus. God put righteousness in her account. When Abraham was 75, he believed, and it, God put righteousness in his account. When did you believe? Have you believed? And here's what James tells us about Abraham. It says Abraham put works to his faith. In other words, his faith was active because faith that's not active is dead, the Bible says. In other words, when God said move, Abraham moved.
He started obeying. So it's not enough to believe with just your mind because there's a whole lot of people that do that, but they still do what they want to do. When you really believe, you start following Jesus Christ. So how did Abraham get it? Here's point number three. How did Abraham get it? What did Abraham have to do? What did he have to do? He had to believe. Uh, John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works, notice plural, of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. This is, this is the only thing you have to do. You have to believe. But it has to be in your heart, not just your head. Okay, but let me tell you something about this story that a lot of people don't get. We read about Abraham, and we think Abraham was a really good guy. And we read about people in the Bible, and somehow we make them superhuman. They, they, they're, not, they're not like we are. They, you know, they don't go through what we go through. And, you know, they, they were these superhumans that God chose. Well, read your Bible a little closer. They were regular people. And they had S's in their accounts. And to let you help you a little bit with Abraham, God shows up in Genesis 12. That's when God spoke to him. That's when Abraham believed and it was a, and righteousness was put in his account. But can I tell you about Abraham before Genesis 12? Okay, Abraham, now this is going to shock you. Abraham was a heathen. A heathen. He was a part of a heathen nation. I was teaching this one time, and uh, a lady, you know, raised her hand, I, I was letting them ask questions, and she said, um, well, wasn't Abraham uh, Jewish? I said, um, there were no Jews at this time. Moses, when he brought the law of God, that's, a, that's about 500 years after Abraham. There was no people of God. There were no laws. That no, Abraham was not a Jew. Then another one said, well, he wasn't even part of the nation of Israel. I said, Israel was his grandson. <laughs> See, we just kind of blend it all together. There's no Israel. They're not even an Isaac yet. They're just Abram, not even Abraham. And he's, he's a heathen. Okay, let, let me help you understand this, okay? How much of a heathen he was. After he believed, after he believed, he's going to a city and his wife is real pretty. And so he lies about his wife and says, she's my sister, so that the king could take his wife and make her one of his harem and abuse her sexually. And by the way, Abram did this, Abraham did this twice. You know he got chewed out the first time about this, and he does it again. He does this after he believes. I'll tell you something else he did after he believed. He sleeps with the housekeeper. He sleeps with his wife's maid and has a child out of wedlock after he, he did this after he, he believed. What was he like before he believed? 
So God shows up one day. Abraham has no concept of God, none, and he just shows up to talk to him. I've always, I've often wondered what would happen if God said to him the day before, hey, tomorrow I want to talk to you. How well would he have slept that night? How well would you have slept if God said he wanted to talk to you before you were a believer? And what would you think God wanted to talk to you about? So God shows up, and in essence, this is what he says to Abraham. Abraham, this is going to be hard for you to believe. Considering what you've heard about me and what they write about me in the media and the secular papers, this is going to be hard for you to believe what I'm about to tell you. But I did not come today to judge you. I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to clean your clock. And I could. I came today for one reason. I came to bless you. You read it, Genesis 12. It's the only reason I came, God says. I came to bless you. And Abraham believed. And when he believed, God took sin out of Abraham's account and put righteousness in his account. And Romans 4 says, that's what God does for you when you believe. Now, you've heard my story. Let me give you just a little bit of Debbie's story. The way Debbie got saved is that her grandmother planned a sleepover for a week during the summer for all the grandkids. And her grandmother was a real godly woman, but she planned it for a specific week. She had all the grandkids over her house. They played, they had fun. But after dinner, she had all of them sit down and she turned the TV on because that was the week that the Billy Graham crusade was on TV. And she planned it and all of them watched. Now, kind of hate to tell you this because it, it, it dates me, but back then, this is going to be shocking to many of you, we only had three channels. <laughs> I remember because if the, and if the president was on speaking, you know, your whole night was shot. <laughs> I mean, he was on every channel, you know, you couldn't go to something else. And so, Billy Graham, though, did something really brilliant. He rented one of the channels from seven to eight, the other channel from eight to nine, and the other channel from nine to 10. So Debbie said, we sat there and watched Billy Graham from seven to eight, and when it finished, she thought, and my grandmother got up and flipped the channel, and there he was again. <laughs> and we watched him three night, three times, every night for the whole week. And then she said, at the end of the week, her grandmother gathered all the grandkids, and she said to him, I'm not going to be here forever, kids. I'm not going to be on this earth forever. And more than anything in the world, I want all of you to come to heaven so we can be together forever. And about a year later, she passed away from cancer. And Debbie remembered. And she thought, I want to be with my grandmother in heaven. And I believe what she told me. 
I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe it. And at nine years old, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And the same grace that got me out of all the sin that I was in, kept my beautiful wife from ever going into that lifestyle. It's the same grace. And it's amazing. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to help you. I think there are some people here today that you need to put Jesus in your account. You need to receive Jesus' day, and you need to believe in your heart, not just your head. I want to help you. I want to pray with you. If you'd like to, if you say, you know, here's the problem. Many of us say, well, I do believe in Jesus, but you're not living that way. You're not following him. You're not changing your lifestyle like Abraham changed his lifestyle. Like I changed when I got saved. So you need to really give him your life. So if that's you, no matter which campus you're attending, whether you're at at, uh, uh, either any campus or if you're in an overflow room, I want to help you. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you need to give your life, give control of your life to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to just pray this right now in your heart, just in your heart. As I pray out loud, you just pray in your heart. Just say, dear God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Tell him that. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I receive Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of righteousness, right standing with God. Now, no one's looking around at any of the campuses, but I just want to know, and I think it's a way of you taking a stand for Christ. How many of you would just say to me, just to the pastor, every campus, overflow rooms, everything, pastor, I prayed that prayer right now, and I really meant it. I want you to put your hand up where you can see it. Put it. You ought to be proud to put it up. You ought to be proud to put it up. You shouldn't be ashamed of this. Put it way up high. Way up high. I prayed that prayer right now, and I really meant it. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Now, listen to me carefully. Please hear me. I need you to do one more thing, and it's very, very important. In just a moment, we're going to have one last worship song. We're all going to be standing, so it's very easy for you to do this. There are going to be people coming for prayer. If you need prayer for any area of your life, you can come during this time. But there are going to be leaders at the front of every campus and at the front of every overflow room. If you prayed that prayer, many of you raised your hands. If you prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus, I want you to come down to one of our leaders, just to one person, not in front of the whole group, just one person, and I want you to tell them, I gave my life to Jesus today. Let me tell you why this is important. It's very, listen to me, it's very important. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Yeah, I want you to confess it to one person, not confess your sins, but to say to one person, I gave my life to Jesus today. At every campus, every overflow room, and we want to help you. We want to give you some resources that'll help you to in your walk with Christ, all right? So if you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to the Lord, as soon as we stand up, every campus, you just stand up, step out and come. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, you come also by your coming, you, for prayer, if you're a believer, but you might help someone else come.
to confess Christ to someone for the first time. So Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name that you draw every person that prayed that prayer or that needs prayer at every campus in Jesus' name, amen.